This is the Anatomy of a Scream Pod Squad Network. Back to White Ladies in Crisis. This is a limited series podcast on the Anatomy of a Scream Pod Squad Network, and we are spending this season talking about Apple TV's physical, and I am Joe Lipset. I'm joined, of course, by my lovely co-host, Gina Radcliffe. Hi, Gina. Hello. And also Jen Adams. Hi, Jen. Hello. <laughs> So we are up to episode three, Let's Get Down to Business, and the logline for this episode is, with her debt mounting, Sheila decides to teach a class, but she is tasked with recruiting new students, and Danny hunts for enough signatures to get on the ballot. I I must say, Apple TV really needs to juice up these synopses because (laughs) there is so much more going on in this episode than just that. Oh, totally. It's like, like, oh boy, local politics. Oh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah. Collecting signatures honestly looks so boring to me. It it is. I've had to do it once or twice. And it's just like, you you, you hope you enjoy rejection because (laughs) you get a a lot of people just like, you know, if they even acknowledge your presence at all. And you're just like, nope, no, thank you. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it seems really stressful and hot. Yeah, they they actually do a really good job of making Sheila look exhausted, which of course, mm-hmm. you know, she would be because she's a full time parent who's also trying to pursue a passion project and deal with her husband. But mm-hmm. I I do like that they use this thrifty montage to show her at work for both of her projects, right? Like she's doing Danny's dirty work, but also mm-hmm. she's got, you know, the third page on the clipboard is, yes, also come to my dance class. Mm-hmm. So overall, what did you think of this third episode? Do you feel like the show is starting to settle in? Are we getting new insights into people? I loved this episode. I actually cried. Um, we've reached what? the point in the series where I've talked about it in therapy. So <laughs> I am in. Like the, the the part with Sheila and like um, struggling to connect with women and like having female uh, friends and then Greta in the car. Like it really got me. And I was like, okay, I think I see what I, I'm starting to figure out who this character is. You know, yes, she has a lot of hard edges, but I feel like I'm starting to see who she is inside of that, you know. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting that the we're, we're setting up three seemingly completely different and yet you know very similar in core ways female characters. Mm-hmm. Where we've got we've got Sheila, we've got Bunny, and we've got Greta. Mm-hmm. Yes, and uh, to a, in, a, in a certain tangential way, we have Simone. But really, mm-hmm. I think the three the three primary characters here are Bunny, Sheila, and Greta, and. You know, Bunny, I think, and, and Sheila have the most interesting interactions with each other. Oh, yes. Because <laughs> Bunny's acceptance of her is grudging at best. <laughs> you know, she is someone much like Sheila who does not like to admit that she could use some help in something. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I mean, I would imagine that, that running in a uh, an aerobics class entirely by yourself is probably pretty. I mean, she's you notice that she's never seen anywhere but these but the studio. 
Mm-hmm. Like, as, as far as we know, you know, well, I mean, she does live there, more or less. Um, and, you know, that's, 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 that is her, that is her life. That's pretty much her, you know, the center of her universe. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you have, you have Sheila, who is you know, basically trying to be Greta. Like, I was trying to be Bunny, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. And then, and then Greta, who would like to be Sheila. Yeah. And, and, you know, none of them can see that each other's lives are, are difficult in their own ways. It's just, well, it's different than my life, ergo it's better. Yes. Yeah, and there is one aspect of you that I want to be more than anything else. And so uh, you are inherently better than me, you know. Yeah, there there's so much packed into these small interactions. Like, Sheila does get to spend more time around Bunny, but obviously their relationship is highly adversarial. I do kind of love that Bunny uses this as an opportunity to get back at Sheila for what she did at the beginning of episode two, when she, mm-hmm. you know Sheila essentially blackmailed her. And Bunny is now lording it over her by saying, well, you know, okay, now you've got to get women if you want to do this class. And also mm-hmm. you've got to double the number because most of them aren't going to show up. Also, I'm taking 60% of your cut because this mm-hmm. is America. Um, and you don't own any of this. I loved that moment. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, quick question. Were either of you able to identify the language that Bunny was speaking on the phone in that one scene? I was trying real hard. <laughs> I thought it might have. I thought it might have been Russian, but I. I That's I, what I, I thought. I, I, but I thought I heard sure. a little French in there too. So I watch. I watch everything that I can with subtitles, and mm-hmm. it said that she was speaking Arabic. Really? Ooh, mm-hmm. Okay. Interesting. Huh. It didn't specify the dialect or the you know it didn't give us more details than that but yeah i yeah. thought that was very interesting yeah i I, interesting. I can only assume that that's going to play later into into the series mm-hmm. well i think it if nothing else it informs us that she is an immigrant and i think that that gives us an idea of why she is such a hard worker and mm-hmm. why she is trying to carve out this space for herself, and she feels so protective of it against Sheila, right? Mm-hmm. And why she might, and why she might also have that hostility against Sheila, because again, everybody's perceptions is that Sheila's life is very cushy, mm-hmm. and because she's, I, I guess, they're fairly well off. I mean, I don't know how much a, a college professor made in the 1980s, but you know, she doesn't have to work. That that's you mm-hmm. know the pr- the primary thing. You yeah. know, she's. She's thin and beautiful, and she seems to have it all together. So, you know, again, everybody looks at her as the ideal. And meanwhile, you know, of course, the irony is she just cannot stop bashing herself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah. the, the, the voice is, uh, you know, the, the voice this, this particular episode was really aggressive. Oh boy! It's it's like it's like the 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 better she does, the more she gets a grip on things. Like the more intensely awful her inner voice seems to get which i I find is is both very interesting and probably very accurate yep Yep. (laughs) yeah yeah that was one of the things that i really i I don't want to say i enjoyed but i connected to maybe that was something and not necessarily that my inner voice is as aggressive although sometimes it is but i just think (laughs) it's just I, i don't use quite so many curse words with my inner voice but um she like it's interesting how she kind of channels this and we start to see the inner voice saying like kick punch and like talking about the moves you know mm-hmm. which i thought was really interesting and i was like this this is becoming her new obsession and her new addiction and one of the things that 
like at the very beginning when her routine is over, the class is over, she's like, and that's it. You're you again. Mm-hmm. And I just was like, oh, that just hit me. And I am slightly concerned for her that this is going to turn into a form of kind of exercise bulimia or, and I don't know if I'm using oh, yes. that properly, oh, yeah, no, this is sure, becoming sure. her addiction, you know, yeah, like she's yeah, got to yeah, get yeah. more, 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 you know. Yeah, I don't know if you're supposed to go to an aerobics class every day. Well, or but- get up in the middle of the night and go to your basement and practice the moves. Yeah. It's worrying. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this is obviously this is obviously a pattern for her. And 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 it would it would be interesting to see, you know, how it's exhibited in other ways. And again, I said I, I said before I, I didn't want this to become an episode, a series that, that relies too heavily on flashbacks. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I, I it would not be surprising if she has, you know, dug into other things right. with this same sort of obsessive zeal that that you know kind of borders on 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 healthy after a, after mm-hmm. a, a a you know very short time. Mm-hmm. Well, and if this is the thing that quiets that inner voice, then I could see that being something that she craves all of the time and like in the middle of the night if that voice is just going going going, then it would be soothing for her to get up in the middle of the night and she can tell herself this is healthier than binging and purging you know this is healthier than going to the hotel with all the hamburgers and it's Mm -hmm. funny because I think I started watching this episode and we just know from the framing that she is going to end up leading an exercise show I think I mean I guess unless that's like some kind of dream or something but I'm assuming that's reality yeah Yeah, I think that's where she's headed and so I thought she was getting up in the middle of the night to practice her moves. And now that we're talking about it, it's like, no, she just had to get out of bed and do this. Like, she just had a compulsion to do it, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, particularly because now that she's not sneaking off to the hotel for her food-related binging and purging, I think she's now filling that void. So it's not even like, oh, this is my new obsession. It's like, this is the thing that I have to do. And it's either about food or about exercise. But, like, she clearly has an obsessive personality that mm-hmm. like she has to do things to fill the quiet. One thing I thought was interesting is she has to get a certain number of students in her class. Mm-hmm. So she sort of, she kind of indirectly invites Greta, not not expecting her to show up. Right. And she does show up and she's just like, oh no, she can't be in this class. That'll look terrible. And mm-hmm. and, and I think it's, it's, it's funny, but very accurate that despite all the, you know, promoting of, you know, exercise as, you know, a good way to lose weight and, and to get your body in the shape you want it to be in, it's not friendly towards large people. Like, no. like, mm-hmm. you, you know, ex- the exercise industry in general, for all its talk, is not very welcoming to overweight people. Mm-hmm. It, it's sort of, you know, you're talking out of both sides of your mouth that you should exercise, but not where anybody can see you. That's gross. Mm-hmm. Or, or yeah. you know, just generally discouraging people who the people who are most in need of, of you know structured exercise from actually doing it. Mm-hmm. And it kind of has you know, and I and I think eventually Sheila questions it herself, or she's starting to. Are you are you teaching this class because you want to help people, or because this is part of some sort of image of yourself that you're trying to maintain? Mm-hmm. It's interesting, though, that it's not a status thing, right? It's not that Sheila wants to be at the head of the class. It's like, this is the only way that she can afford to continue doing the thing that she has now become obsessed with, that she Mm -hmm. 
has started to center her life around right and that is a bit of a fascinating thing right like she's almost forcing herself into an entrepreneurial mode because she can't afford otherwise she can't afford to do what she wants to do Mm -hmm. yeah and it's forcing her into connections with other people which as we also see in this episode i think are really really uncomfortable for her to oh yeah that that's uh, her kind of you know getting it you know carefully explained to her that that you know you're a bitch no one likes you (laughs) is is is, that is it is hard she honestly looks devastated like that never occurred to her like you know oh gee i i have to talk to people in order to (laughs) Is, right. is is that how making connections with people works? I have to like acknowledge their presence? Well, yeah. let, let's unpack this scene because so what happens is she goes to Abigail. This is the former ballet teacher who has been put out of business by Jim Bream. She goes to her apartment, her house to ask if she can basically give her the names of numbers of all the women in the class. And then Abigail disses her for being antisocial and not friendly And then Sheila weaponizes her feelings of hurt by justifying it as like, oh, well, now I can steal your your contact book. Yeah, I can't believe she stole that book like that. That was pretty ballsy. (laughs) It's like, holy shit, Mm -hmm. that's going to come back and haunt you at some point. You have to think so. Yeah. 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 This was um, the the, because I am a person that also kind of struggles to make friends sometimes. And I think it's related to that voice because there's a moment when she really wants to connect with Greta. And I think because throughout the episode, the the theme of it is kind of like she doesn't have any female friends. Like mm-hmm. um, her husband says it. Simone kind of. Well, oh, my God. I love that scene. Simone I, later. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. I just I like talk about I, I hate you know, the use of the phrase. It's cringe. But boy, it is oh, cringe every I know. time she is on screen. Yes. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's the moment in the car where she's talking to Greta and she's having this personal connection. She's like, don't open the door. Don't open the door. You know, and I I feel that like that's something that I struggle with a lot because I also have this internal voice that's like really, really negative. And it's like if you make connections with people, I don't think it's that she doesn't want to connect with other people. I think that she's afraid that if she does, they will find out all of the yes. things that her inner voice oh, is sure. telling Abs- her. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I, I agree with you. I, I tend to have a little trouble connecting with people too mm-hmm. and and it you know comes down to a, a fear that you know i'm going to connect with these people but they're going to end up seeing something in me that they're not going to like mm-hmm. right yeah they'll find out or like they won't like i always think of it like they like me because i tricked them into no. right that exactly. i'm somebody to like Ex- you know exactly <laughs> Like yeah. they, just don't, they just don't know any better, but they'll figure it out eventually. Exactly. If I get too close. Yeah. And like right. when I look at the ballet teacher, I think like there's all, almost this moment of her realizing that like just looking the way she thinks she's supposed to look and like being perfect in ballet, that's not enough for people mm-hmm. to like her. Like she has to actually show who she really is. And that I imagine is terrifying for her, you know, and there was part of me that got defensive a little bit on her behalf and was like, yeah, but it's just a. Like, she should be able to just go to the gym and not talk to anybody if she wants to. Yeah, you know? why does she have to go to your fucking party? Like, she I didn't know. sign up for that. She signed <laughs> up for the know, ballet it's, class. It, it, it's, it, yeah. you know, it, but the problem is that is how it works, unfortunately. Yeah, you know? it is. You, you, you have to play to be, the game. You have to be, right, you have to be present. You have to be involved with everyone, even if it's exhausting and not something you feel comfortable doing. Because otherwise, yeah. you know, what's the worst thing you, this one can describe you as being a snob? 
or, yeah. or, or being standoffish or, you know, just, just not being, you're thinking that you're better than everybody, which, you know, that's often people often misinterpret shyness mm-hmm. for that is, yeah. is, you know, thinking that you're above everyone when most of the time it's not true. Yeah. yeah. Especially with women. I think right. that is often misinterpreted that way. Yeah. Right. Well, and I definitely yeah. got that read when, okay, so I would love to hear your thoughts on Greta's reaction to what happens in the class so she sees that Sheila basically Sheila feels like she is failing at teaching this class so Uh she turns it into I don't even want to I don't even know what to say about this like she she goes really aggro on them Uh and says like you know if you hate yourselves use this class to like feel better and obviously that connects with something bad inside of Greta and then yes we get the scene where she goes to Greta and I'm curious, do you think that Greta is crying because that spoke to her? Or do you think that she thinks that Sheila was picking on her? Or, like, I I felt like there was about five different ways that we could read how Greta reacts. My read, because that was the moment that I... That was the first time that I started crying because I feel like I think Sheila is talking to herself in that moment. I think she is really working through it. I don't think she really. I don't think she even saw the other people in the class. No, I don't think so either. Yeah. And I think Greta, for me, the way that I read this is like, and okay, I promise I'm going to get to Greta in this analogy. It's like (laughs) when when you're going to like, you think you're going to go to therapy for something. And then all of a sudden you realize there's a lot more underneath and you're going to have to look at that. And you're gonna have to talk about that. And that's terrifying. And it's like, oh, well, maybe I was fine before, you know, and the way that I read Greta, and I think you're right, there are a lot of different ways to read it. But I read as oh shit, somebody else knows that I talk to myself like this. Somebody else sees this. Somebody else connects. Like, is this too much for me to like overcome? You know, and that, mm. that I just read her just being really scared in that moment that she was going to have to confront this thing that is so kind of integral to who she is and that maybe she doesn't feel like she could have the power to overcome. And that's just going to be another failure for her. And maybe yeah. that's me projecting myself. No, no, no. <laughs> I, 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 I agree. I think that she, you know, as, as a lot of us do when we start exercise classes or, you know, decide to, we're going to pick up an, you know, you know, a fitness regimen. We, yeah, we're very, you know, high on the potential. Mm-hmm. And then when we finally start doing it and then realize, holy shit, I am really out of shape. Yeah. No. It's a letdown. It's devastating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, my and, knees and you, hurt. Right. It's like, oh my God, I'm like, I've been doing this for like five minutes and I'm completely out of breath. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, and, and it doesn't mean it's anything specifically wrong with you. You're just, you're out of shape. Yeah. And, and there's nothing wrong with it. Most people are. But, you know, I, I've been Greta in, in a fitness class full of, you know, you, oh, like prof- professional Bob Fosse <laughs> dancers. Yeah. You know, and I'm, you know, squeezing my little leotard and my little, you know, you know, dumpy pants and, and, you know, it's embarrassing. You really do think everybody's looking at you. You, you know, you think that the teacher is addressing you directly, mm-hmm. you know, when really it's just, you know, it'd be interesting to find out. I don't know how it would, but if all aerobics instructors are inherently as against not already fit people being in their class as Sheila is, mm-hmm. because generally speaking, I, I have had, when I have taken dance classes or aerobics classes you know the instructors have been fine you know maybe a little too a little too upbeat for my own you know my own preference but <laughs> the cheery but disposition starts they, they to don't, yeah they don't they don't call they don't 
personally call you out or anything. They're they're, no. they're pretty they're pretty encouraging. And yeah. then, but at the same time, you're thinking, oh, they're just doing that to be nice, or you know, they're doing because I'm paying them for this. And and you know, th- those ugly thoughts really rise up, and then you turn it on yourself. Why did I think I could do this? Why am I wasting my time? Why am I wasting her time? Mm-hmm. I'm I'm taking a spot that you know someone else in better shape could be taking up. And yeah, no, I think it was entirely th- that you know she had hoped she could do it and she couldn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not 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 right away, at least. Yeah, yeah, that is interesting because I, I was going to say an anecdote for myself. I've been doing a lot of Jillian Michaels workouts during mm. the lockdown because I live in a condo and I don't have access to a gym anymore. Mm-hmm. And all of the videos are like these incredibly fit women like absolutely model gorgeous like they are clearly fitness models they are not Mm -hmm. regular people who have gone through this program and all of the instructions are you know if you think you can handle a bit more follow this girl and she looks you know stunning and fantastic and then it's like and if you're not quite ready to do that follow the other one who looks exactly the same and is also stunningly gorgeous and model beautiful Mm -hmm. (laughs) and You know, a lot of it is about empowerment. It is a lot about, you know, like you can overcome this. You just have to start putting in the work and believing in yourself. And I do think that's the aspirational message behind a lot of workout programs. Mm -hmm. But it's hard optically, right? Like you're so hyper aware in the scene when Sheila is teaching this class, they all look identical except for Greta. And Greta Mm -hmm. is hiding out in the back corner And when Sheila starts to dress herself down, but she's vocalizing it to the entire group, it, I guess I just immediately read it as, oh, Greta feels like, okay, not only do I not fit in on this, but also I'm meant to hate myself if I can't do it because Mm -hmm. she's already struggling. You can see her not getting the moves in the background. Yeah. I I thought I found a particular line unsettling, but also accurate in how a a person who has so much self-esteem issues, it sounds like something they would say, when Sheila's doing the class, she says, she says, don't look at me, look at yourself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And and I I sort of feel like it kind of gives a little bit of perspective to her not socializing with other people, particularly other women, Mm -hmm. is is she does does, does not want to be scrutinized. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that line is so telling, isn't it? Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, she, Sheila would probably, you know, if, if Sheila was born 20 years later, she probably would have, you know, been great on social media, you know, as far as like putting up a, a, a you know, very oh, the false front. Yeah, very, mm-hmm. you know, overly idealized impression of what her life is like. Oh, yeah, she would have beautiful Instagram pictures. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, and there's this moment because I I also connected as a person who has directed a lot of elementary musicals and tried to teach choreography. Ooh. I was like, oh, it's so hard to realize that you have to do everything backwards. So I I really felt uh. for her in that moment because <laughs> I've been there. And I was like, oh, yeah, it's hard when you can't figure out why your music won't start. Um, but there's this <laughs> moment where it's like she like this used to be her thing and her way to quiet her mind. And now by presenting herself as a leader here, she is inviting scrutiny. And she says that like Bunny 
like looking at her with like scorn in the background is what actually helped her, which I think is interesting. Yeah. And I recently started a weight loss thing that ultimately didn't end up working for me. But one of the first things they asked in the app was what motivates you? Is it someone being really kind and celebrating everything you're doing? Or is it somebody like saying, well, that was good, but you can do way better, you know? Yeah, and I just the tough love. Yeah, exactly. And that was not the one that I chose. But uh, <laughs> but I wonder if that's and it could just be that's what Sheila is used to, you know? Well, I mean, we spent a lot of time in the last episode talking about Danny's comment about how she is what was it she's unimportant or she's, yeah, she's like a person of not consequence something like that right and i i can't help but wonder if that is the way that sheila thinks that she will thrive because it's yeah. what she's been living under for so long right and mm -hmm. i do think it that's why her relationship to bunny is so fascinating to me because Bunny doesn't necessarily want her to succeed. Bunny just wants her to get the fuck out of her face, but they're mm -hmm. stuck together. And A, that's that's great for conflict and interesting episodes. But also, I think this is a very different kind of relationship than Sheila has ever had to engage in. People mm -hmm. either overlook her or underappreciate her, but they're not openly combative with her. Yeah, and part of that's probably because she just walks away before they can be, you know, like she's not staying or she's not connecting enough. Um, and, and so she, like the only meaningful relationships I feel like she really has are with her daughter and her husband. And, you know, her, I think her daughter is so young that that's not really the same thing. And her husband's is, is I mean, I don't know if we said that it was abusive, but like the fact that she is does not have any friends, that's an indicator that there is some level of abuse or something like that going on. That could be an indicator. I want to be careful how I say that, but that's a red flag, you know, right. that you don't have any friends, you know? Yeah, there there's clearly things going on at home that have conditioned Sheila to pull back from other kinds of social engagements. Mm -hmm. whether that's in her mind because she doesn't like herself, whether that's because Danny expects it of her, whether it's a factor of all of those conditions. Like, yeah, I, she's just deeply messed up. Yeah, those roots are deep. <laughs> Indeed. I do want to discuss the new connection that Sheila makes, though. So yes. <laughs> we get more of Jim Bream in this episode, ladies. Yeah, my notes just right. I wrote, "Oh God, the John Bream family." <laughs> yeah, are they are they are they Mormons? They look like Mormons. They kind of look like the people that wander around neighborhoods and sell books, is what I read, which oh, I God. think might be Mormons. <laughs> yeah, I definitely got with the with the short sleeve shirt and tie on the sun. The, the, yeah, the older, the older side. I definitely got a Mormon vibe from them. Yeah, I, I would see that. And the crossing there are. I, I don't know that much about Mormons though, so I, I don't want to generalize. But yeah. Yeah, I I definitely wrote like, oh, we're praying to the gods of fast food and malls. Interesting. Yep. <laughs> and, and white privilege. <laughs> and he's just doing this like Tex Avery Wolf, like like looking at, at Sheila while she's walking by. He's just like, like, like his eyeballs are like popping out of his head. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm I'm curious because his son is going through this and everybody else is engaged in prayer as Sheila is walking by. And then, yeah, you're right, Gina. Jim Broom is obviously like treacherously looking at her in a very interested fashion but he seems not to care at all about what his son is doing because normally in these kinds of storylines it's like the father is 
religious and he imposes it on the family or like the family is religious and everybody's participating but he seems very disengaged like he could not care less if they went through this ritual well mm-hmm. we don't we don't really know anything about his wife I mean, she's there but she mm-hmm. she doesn't she doesn't even have any dialogue yeah mm-hmm. but well, I, I yeah, yeah i i feel but no i feel like the vibe would be like this is her religion Okay. That, that, you know, he kind of goes through the motions for her because, you know, paralleling Danny and Shield's relationship, you know, they're both public figures or, you know, Danny's trying to become a public figure and you have to maintain a sort of image of having a, a very old fashioned loving family. Mm-hmm. Right. So, you know, part of the, and, and again, I'm, I'm completely spitballing here, you know, on a, you know, a character that we get about. 30 seconds of screen time and no dialogue right that part of his you know the deal is it for her staying by his side is that he at least has to you know, go through the motions of being a mormon or a christian or whatever they are mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. interesting i read because it almost looks like he rolls his eyes when the son starts like keeping that praise on him you know that's when he opens his eyes and mm-hmm. i was kind of reading it i was like i wonder if this is a little bit of a self-destructive streak in him as well I don't know, because then they have that interaction where she's watching TV, where I was like, oh, and I think they're going to hook up at some point. You know? Oh, absolutely. Like, he's clearly yeah, yeah, into yeah. her. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And I mean, he knows who she is. You know? he, he knows that, that uh, which is interesting, because you know, he, he knows who she is. Yeah, he, he is. He has. You know, he has seen her. Mm-hmm. You know, in, in every definition of that, which is something she's not used to. Yeah, mm-hmm. but he also regards her as an adversary, right? Like, I, I mean, obviously, they're going to use their contentious relationship as political adversaries as a kind of like, ooh, we shouldn't fall into bed together, but clearly mm-hmm. we're going to. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and I also like there's a moment where he says, oh, that's a smart way to start off a campaign. And I was like, yeah, she's good at politics. I wonder if this will become I wonder if she'll start like slipping secrets to John or something, you know. But it is fascinating that she seems to have no trouble standing up for herself. And like, she's very acerbic in this exchange because she's watching the TV and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that's the man that she hosted in episode one, like the yeah, famous yeah, that's author, the, right? that's the friend, that, that's yeah. the, the, the gold college friend. Yeah. Okay, and yeah. we find out that they've had relations before. Yes, yeah, because she used to fuck him before he published <laughs> his best-selling book, Personal Narrative. Oh. Which, is, which is basically, it's basically the secret. I, yes. That's what I wrote too. <laughs> the 80s, the secret. He talks yeah. about that he manifested being on that TV show. Yeah, like, even though you booked Christ. me. <laughs> Like, uh, but that's hilarious, right? Because I didn't realize he was writing a self help book. I, I mean, we didn't know what kind of book he was writing. I default assumed that it was going to be fiction. So I think it's fascinating that that's a different type of therapy and obsession and fad, right? So mm-hmm. now we're starting to collect them. Like we've got Aerobicize and Sheila's Corner, but then we've got, yeah, like 80s The Secret in this other area. <laughs> fascinating but yeah um i also love that that sheila basically she doesn't care at all about jim bream's like opinion of her and when Mm -hmm. she doesn't like what he says anymore she just walks away and i'm just like wow okay so either that means you're sexually attracted to him or the thing with danny is completely different like he's got her under the spell Mm. and i mean it could be both it could be both you know yeah it was very it was kind of a madman january jones moment she's like okay i'm done with this conversation i'm walking away which i always think is fascinating because that is not me at all like Mm -hmm. i actually have a hard time ending conversations sometimes because i don't want to be the one to like imply that i'm done talking to someone you know right 
I'd, I'd love to be the person who could confidently just walk away from a conversation, but oh, I'm so sure. conflict averse. I would never. Oh, me too. I know. I'm like, yeah, okay. <laughs> Don't you want to say something one more time? <laughs> yeah. It's, it gets awkward sometimes. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay. Mm. So at the end of the episode, Gino, we're coming back to your favorite subject on this show. <laughs> We the money. We the money that yeah. They are down to $366 and Uh-oh. Danny now wants to hire a campaign manager, even though they've only just really begun his political career. So like, I don't know how to read this final scene because Sheila goes to the mall in the middle of the night, seemingly. I mean, not really. It's early in the morning. And she gets swept up in Tyler's video, whom we've not talked about because he really hasn't been in this episode much. But she gets caught up in his surfing video. And this is where she gets this. I think it's the start of her entrepreneurial spirit. Like she knows oh, I'm not just going to teach my own class. I'm going to move this into television or I'm assuming like video cassettes. Mm -hmm. And that will be how I make my money, how I make my fortune. Yeah. Well, and how I can keep it going too, because if she needs this tape, if she needs more classes and she can record it, she can watch it as many times at home as she wants to. Oh, I didn't even think of that. You know, I admittedly, I was kind of pressed for time at the end of the episode. Do we know what she was going back to the class for? Like why she was going there in the middle of the night? Was it to take money or? That's or what I thought. I yeah. think she, she was going to try to steal. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's Yeah, that's what I, that's what I figured. I thought I, I just thought I might have missed something. It's definitely not spelled out, though. No, no. And it's it kind of if that is what she was doing, that speaks to the like, I don't know if I'm ready to say addiction, but like, she's clearly the one that they would expect because yes. she's already stole from them. And she just got these keys. So yeah, that would seem that know. would seem to be a little, little more reckless than she normally would be. But who, right, who can say, but yeah. I guess it's because she's really now in a in between a rock and a hard place, right? Like, mm-hmm. the, this isn't a, oh, okay, well, I'll find some way to get the money. It's like Danny's going to wake up and he's going to want to start looking. And if he checks that account, he'll know. Yeah, and then I'll have have some splaining to do. But the thing is, is that she's going to have splaining to do anyway, because, of course, Danny has woken up because their daughter Maya is crying and Sheila <laughs> is nowhere to be found. No, nope. I, I love how long it takes him to finally just go and check on the kid himself. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. She's just, just, I'm just like, <laughs> Danny, Danny, just, just look, just go and check on her yourself. Right. You know, we I mean, managed maybe, to make it almost 30 minutes without railing on this piece of shit. Yeah, I mean, just. <laughs> Just, you know, he just sitting there, he just sitting there like Sheila, uh-huh. Sheila, Maya's crying. It's just, just go check on your child yourself. Mm. Like, did you never alternate as parents? Like, it, oh, come I thought on. that he was never, a de facto not. thing. He never, like, he never. But you know what? That that's accurate for that time period. It is. It, it, yeah. It's you know, it wasn't until you maybe, maybe at best that that Generation X became parents that 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 fathers took more of a hands-on approach to childcare. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's not just that Danny himself is is a jerk, is that a lot of you know, even young fathers and husbands still had a lot of, you know, I mean they're they're boomers. It, it's you yeah. know, it, it, we have to remember what time period we're looking at here. Right. They're 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 boomers. Mm-hmm. And and they were not going to be getting up in the in the middle of the night to check on the kid unless you know the house is on fire. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because yeah. that was women's yeah. work. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes. like especially if you're a stay-at-home mom, the understanding is your job is the child. It's and like, what do you mean you're sleeping? You, 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 what do you do all day? 
Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The look of forlornness on his face in those final moments when he's having to just care for his own child. I there's a lot of um, mm-hmm. <laughs> that, was, that almost, was cathartic he, for me. He, he's almost pitiful. Almost I pitiful. Know. I mean, I'm I sure that he will he will you know drain every drop of audience goodwill he might have, he might have earned from that, <laughs> that one scene. Because I, I will I will leave this for when we make our predictions. But uh, but yeah, I'm sure that he will immediately you. Know, renege on that goodwill but for that moment he's like oh all right he's sad yeah yeah oh you're right pitiful is the absolute accurate word for him in this final scene <laughs> and pitiful yes but i i i felt no sympathy for him i was no. like uh-huh. oh no, yeah, no no that's what it's like uh-huh oh poor you Sorry. <laughs> it was like I got a little gleeful in that moment i was like yeah that's what it's like sorry i know i said that before but it was there were a lot of all caps in my notes during that scene. <laughs> Say it again. Yes. Yes. Five exclamation points. <laughs> right. Exactly. How's it uh, feel? Right. You deserve uh-huh. this, Danny. You deserve everything that's coming to you, buddy. Mm-hmm. Oh, Danny. <sighs> okay. Well, Gina, you, you teased it. Do you have a prediction about where we're going to go next? Well, I don't know if this is going to be very next episode for certain, but I think that ob- obviously Danny is going to assume that she is out, you know, with Cheating. another man. Yeah. Um, now, whether or not he's going to confront her about it, I I don't know, but I think that he will use that as an excuse or or the you know the green light to to hook up with Simone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, he he just kind of looking for that first opportunity so he can, you know, act as though he has the moral high ground. Yes, because well, you cheated first, so you know by all rights, I you know this is this is a freebie for me, and then then and that, that'll make us even. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh well, I mean, he and Simone are already so close because they're they're going off to have powwows while everybody mm-hmm. else collects signatures in this episode. And Simone does not wear a bra around him. No. <laughs> oh my god, that that line. So I know last last episode we talked about like beat it sluts as the line of the episode. For me, it was definitely uh, the visible nipples was the mm-hmm. line that made the episode. I know. <laughs> Just the way she drops it in too. I love it. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And I think that he would use just him having to care for his own child as enough of a reason to cheat. Oh, for I sure. am going to be very, I am going to be very curious as to what her explanation, if he does confront her about, you know, you, you know, I woke up, you were here, mm-hmm. you know, the baby was crying. I, I, I am curious as to what she is going to say, like what, mm-hmm. what her excuse is going to be for, for not being there. Because, no. I mean, you know, uh, you know, what would you say, in, you know, if you, one of your partners, if you left in the middle of the night, you weren't cheating on them. Yeah. But you also didn't want to entirely, you know, let them know what you were doing. You know, you know what sort of fast on your feet you know, <laughs> would you give us to why you were gone at four o'clock in the morning? I definitely wasn't robbing an aerobics studio. <laughs> Surely not, yeah. You might as well just say you are cheating because that would be less ridiculous. You're right? Exactly. Oh, I was collecting sk- signatures. Yeah. The, the, the I, after bar crowd, you know. Yeah, the after bar crowd and the early morning surfers. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay, Jen, what do you think we have coming up? 
Hmm. Well, I think I would like to find out more about Bunny and Tyler. So hopefully we will get more more Tyler in the next episode because I will say my crush is intensifying <laughs> on him. So I would just delight in that. But I also um, also want to shout out the moment. I've never seen someone slurp a drink with as much aggression and, and like pent up hostility as Bunny does. Oh, I love it. I, 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 she's, just like, she's like locking eyes with her, just like... I know, but it's it's so good. It's almost like gleeful. Like there's a joy inside her that I just, I just love, Mm -hmm. you know. So I want to see more of that. But I think what we'll start with probably is her teaching Greta in um, her house. And I, you know, I think that'll probably be good for her too, because that's a way to practice her teaching too. Yeah. 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 I absolutely. Mirroring is hard. (laughs) (laughs) You heard it from the expert here. You did. (laughs) Yeah, I definitely agree. My prediction is I think that we're going to get Jim Bream seeking Sheila out. So he might Mm, discover mm -hmm. that she's either taking classes at the mall or he'll see her there again. And he's going to try to initiate something more. Yeah. I think his wife is going to go to the class. I think she's going to start going as a spy. But I think she's going to fall in love with aerobics and the empowerment and maybe not worry so much about her walk-in closet. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm sure that we're going to find out. We're going to learn more about her as 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 we go on. Yeah. Yeah, that'll be interesting. <laughs> All right. Well, Gina, if people want to spin hypotheses with you, how would they reach you? Um, I am on Twitter under Porcelain72, and I am also the co-host of the Kill by Kill podcast, uh, in which we talk about horror movies, focusing on the characters and weird little details. I think by the time this goes up, uh, we'll have an episode on the the Conjuring Universe movies. (laughs) I know, I know, I know, I know. They're okay, Joe. Joseph, they're okay. They're all just fine. That's about as far as we can go, right? <laughs> That's why we're covering. We never cover more than one more than one movie at a time on an episode normally, but mm-hmm. we're going to be covering like six movies in one episode. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> okay, I mean, well, they do kind of all fall into place. Right? Yes. Yeah, right. yeah. 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 All right. Well, everybody, pray for Gina and <laughs> <laughs> and Jen. How can people reach you? Oh, you can find me on social media at Jen Ferratu, and uh, you can find me co-hosting the Losers Club podcast, which is all about Stephen King, and the Psychoanalysis podcast, which is about horror movies and mental health. And if you're if you're interested in my thoughts on people like um, Danny, we are just concluding our Bad Dads Month, oh, no. <laughs> so we've been talking about some dads that also really bug me. So right, <laughs> of course. <laughs> And if you want to follow me, I can be reached at B Stole My Remote, and that's the letter B. And I also co-host the Horror Queers podcast every Wednesday. And uh, we'll give a shout out to the Anatomy of a Screen Pod Squad Network, which of course is hosting this podcast. And uh, you should go and check out all the other shows on the network. There's some fun stuff coming up. Hopefully we're going to be debuting a couple of new shows in addition to, Mm. you know, future episodes of White Ladies in Crisis. Because, of course, Mm. we got plenty more physical where this came from. So uh, we will be back next week with episode four. And uh, I'm excited. And I'm also worried because I feel like we're going to find out something about cocaine and shitting and all the toilet paper that Bunny keeps requesting. <laughs> yeah, that was definitely a, a, a you know, as she said something about she, you know, she needed toilet paper because you know, what was it that she uh, she, she can't, can't re- afford another trip to the gyno. Yeah, yeah I was kind of puzzling right. over that. <laughs> I was like, 
<laughs> have you not been wiping at all? I mean, I guess if you don't have anything. Yeah, but like, you, do? you live in a mall. There's a bathroom, <laughs> hypothetically, down the hall. Well, uh, napkins at the food court. Your mall toilet paper probably isn't the best quality. Though, that is true. About it. That is fair. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> what if instead she yell- <laughs> she just yelled down the hall, quilted? <laughs> Three ply. Right. <laughs> Oh, boy. Okay, well, now I'm going to be wondering about this all week. But uh, yes, we will see you next week for more physical and more white ladies in crisis. The Anatomy of a Scream, Pod Squad.